The views expressed on this show by guests and the hosts on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Welcome to 9-11 Freefall. I'm the host, Andy Steele. Today we're joined by John O'Malley. He was a career federal government employee and is now retired after more than a third of a century of government service. He's worked for the Department of the Air Force, Agriculture, EPA, Bureau of the Census, Department of the Army, Office of the Secretary of Defense, and the Food and Drug Administration. He spent the majority of his career in science and engineering, including aerospace, turbine engines, operations research, statistics, chemistry, relational databases, and drug evaluation. A real renaissance man throughout his career here, and now he's an all-star 9-11 truth activist in my book. He's a very interesting guy to listen to. So, John, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So this year, 9-11 is turning 20 going to happen in just over a month and of course it's not old enough to drink if this was a person but it is old enough to drive a car and fight in a war so that is where we are at in relation to 9-11 and how long ago it was give us your thoughts on that milestone well i would view the the milestone as uh, an opportunity for us to present the evidence to more people because one of the um, problems that we have is that as 9-11 recedes into history, it does not have the immediacy that it had years ago. However, the legislation, like the Patriot Act, TSA, that were based on 9-11 are still in force and being used to attack the Bill of Rights and all of this legislation is all based on a lie, and it's a violation of the Constitution. And if we lose the Constitution, if we lose the Bill of Rights, we are toast. So I, now I because of where I live in the Washington, D.C. area, where the, the local industry is politics, I do the political stuff. I ran for office, and I became politically active. And um, the, the rationale for doing that is if, if you wake up someone who's not going to do anything but stay home and watch TV, you, you've done something. But if you can awaken people who are politically active, uh, I think that's going to be more effective. And there, there is a thing called the, that, that I would call the political 1%. There's about 3,000 political districts in the U.S. And say in each of these districts, there's maybe 100 politically active people. And by politically active, I mean 
They run for office. They volunteer in campaigns. They donate money. They they do more than just vote. And, and these people are important because half of the country does not vote. And the other half that does vote, about 98% of them, that's all they do is vote. And and I used to be one of them. However, if you the the politically active people, you you could call them the political one percent, depending upon which numbers you choose to use. They have a disproportionate effect on what is going on in the country. So that's what we do. And uh, in in the D.C. group, one of the things we do is we go to CPAC, which is a uh, it's a Republican political convention that is held in the D.C. suburbs every year, usually sometime around February 22nd, and that's tied to the political calendar because that's, I, I believe, that is before Super Tuesday. And then there are also Democratic um, events that we can go to. I think it is important for us to not be partisan I'm one of those people who believes that the two parties are two faces of one organization. So, and and if you are partisan, the disadvantage of that is you will turn off the other half of the country. And it seems to me we are in a war of public relations, and one of the first rules of public relations is that you do not want to turn off potential listeners. You, you you want them to listen to your message because if they are turned off before they even listen to your message, then you're not going to make much headway. And the other side is aware of this, and one of the reasons they, they came up with the um, the the idea of conspiracy theorist is that they want people to think that if you mention 9-11 that you're a conspiracy theorist and they use the technique of ridicule as a part of a way to, to shut you down. And as Americans, we should never, ever allow anyone to shut us down. Uh, the, 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 the First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. And many of us can see that in this country, uh, freedom of speech is being attacked in a way that um, it's never been attacked before. And, and this is, um, you know, they, they are still doing it now. For, for, tw- for, for, for 20 years concerning 9-11 and particularly Building 7, For 20 years now, they have censored any mention of Building 7 in newspapers, magazines, radio, TV, political speech. Uh, That really shows you the the level of the control system. Uh, It's very dangerous for the country because if we don't watch out, uh, we could see our Bill of Rights uh, collapse like Building 7, and, and we will continue to be headed towards living in a totalitarian police state. And they do this 
right in front of everyone. And anyone who looks at it and sees it and, and talks is called a conspiracy theorist. So I see the anniversary as being a great opportunity for us to uh, have the opportunity to talk about things like Building 7 and how the official story is such a lie. And the um, one of the things I've, I've, I've noticed is they seem to be trying to make people afraid of engaging in political uh, activities. The uh, if, if if you look at the, what happened on the January 6th protest down in Washington D.C., I actually know people who were there, and the official story of that false flag is just as false as. 9-11, and I think they want people to become afraid to go to political protests. That's uh, just my opinion. So the anniversary is, um, I think, something we need to take advantage of because the, the legacy of 9-11 is still with us. You know, people are still dying uh, every year from the toxins that were released uh, in Manhattan. They're dying of lung disease and cancer and and all kinds of things. And this has been going on for, you know, 20 years, and it's not talked about and, and probably not even uh, properly diagnosed. So uh, that's kind of my take on it. And I, I think one thing we need to do is to, you know, get together, form groups, and try to brainstorm of, okay, what can we do on the anniversary to wake people up about what happened and what is continuing to happen? And, you know, hopefully some of us can come up with some creative ideas that then uh, we can use because one thing about the anniversary is it will make a lot of uh, non 9-11 truthers uh, think about 9-11 because a, a lot of people don't even think about it anymore, e even though it was what you would call um, the crime of the century. And, and the fact that they could lie and continue to lie about the crime of the century is a very big deal because people then wonder, well, if they lied to us about that, what else are they lying to us about? And it's a, it's a long list. As usual, a lot of great points raised in there. And as an old codger myself here, I'm not that old, I'm only 42, but as somebody who lived a significant amount of time before 9-11 and then watched 9-11 happen and what it did to our world, I can tell you a lot of things did change. I'm not saying there weren't uh, lies and false flags and things like this before 9-11, but this was the king daddy. This really set the tone for the country, for the new millennium here in America and it definitely does need to be talked about, remembered, and the aspect of it needs to be highlighted, how much it changed, and how much it can change things back if we had some kind of acknowledgement of the truth. I still think it would have an impact. I love what you said about not being partisan. Obviously, I got my own political beliefs, everybody does, but I will work with anybody on either side of the political aisle as long as they're rational and good and, and good uh, activists 
and uh, you know, willing to put in serious work. I don't care what they believe in. And I think a lot of political ideology depends on the times that you're in. It can be swayed. I mean, I think even a person who wants uh, as little government involvement as possible would say, well, if there's only one company controlling all the communications, if you had a situation like that, or only one company that makes all the cars and uh, they're blowing up or something, you know, you need some kind of intervention to uh, break it up. So, and I think people, even for big government, if we had some kind of absolute tyrannical situation, unless they were into that kind of thing, uh, <laughs> but if they still believe in rights, they would say, okay, that needs to be pulled back. So it really depends on the times you're in. You got to keep that in mind and keep in mind what your job is. My job is not to advocate for any political position, it is to get a new investigation into the destruction of the Three Towers in New York, and nothing else. And you talk about people being afraid to participate in the process. You know, I saw that even before all the excitement of the previous year. I remember I used to post bulletins on MySpace, and I was at a girl's house, and she was worried about me posting them from her apartment. Oh my God, the FBI is going to come down because I posted some YouTube video on my MySpace from her apartment, from her internet. Good God. You know, of course, that's not going to happen, but it does have a chilling effect. And I remember the jokes people would make during the C-SPAN campaign. I mean, nothing illegal about what we were doing whatsoever. Totally within the law. However, people would be saying, oh, the FBI is going to want to talk to you. And there was some seriousness to their tone about that. And I'm not even saying that uh, the concerns were unfounded, but this is ridiculous in a supposedly free country. So the key to that is not to back down. Not to back down when you're being intimidated. Speak loud and speak proud. Dare them to do something about your free speech. And say it unapologetically. Don't come at the world saying, well, you know, don't, don't think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I think uh, Building 7 was brought down in controlled demolition. Just state it. Just state it as a fact, as the fact that you know it is, and don't cower when people try to shout you down. Now, we've got a very heated national environment going on right now. We've got a lot of things going in the current events theater, and I don't think it's over. I think the next election, I used to say about 2020, it's going to make 2000 look like a day at church, and now I think that 2024 is going to even be more raucous, if that's the right word. But, John, I want to hear your thoughts. Talk about the national environment and 9-11 reaching this milestone in it. Well, one thing I, I learned when I joined um, A&E is I, I joined, because of where I live, I, I joined the Congressional Outreach Group, and I realized that elected representatives would, would like, run for the hills when you even mentioned this. And then when I became politically politically active in Maryland, which is a very um, corrupt state, kind of like New Jersey and New York, I, I, I could see the, the corruption that is a part of politics. And w what I learned is that the, the elected representatives are not interested in the, the opinions of the voters they really care about the opinions of the people who control the voting machines. And it, it looks to me, you know, if, if you study the voting system, and I can only talk about Maryland and maybe Virginia, which is a neighboring state, if you look at the design of the election system, the election systems that I know about are designed to be stolen. For one thing, they, they've inserted electronics 
so that uh, numbers can be changed on the fly without a paper trail. Uh, they've used electronic voting systems because software can be changed in an instant uh, without any physical record by radio. Like, for example, a guy in a car with a cell phone outside a polling place can change the what's going on in an electronic voting machine inside the polling place. I mean, the, the, the technology is, is very simple. If you study the history of voting machines, you can see that voting machines were invented way back when specifically for the purpose of stealing elections because people who steal elections always want the elections to be done um, either behind closed doors or inside a voting machine because they, they don't want anyone to see it. Uh, the other thing that they they do and they've done is they've made the voting system so complicated uh, so that it's it's difficult to see the fraud because of the level of complexity that they've introduced into voting into the voting system. Now, what they did in Maryland, uh, because of public outrage, they had to bring back the paper ballot. So what they did, they introduced early voting uh, for, you know, I think more than a week before the election so that they had plenty of time, uh, 24 hours a day, to um, stuff ballot boxes uh, without being observed. Now, the Republicans say that the Democrats steal elections, and the Democrats say the Republicans steal elections, and they're both right because they, they both do it. So uh, the, the fact that our representatives have are so unresponsive to the voters, not only in this country, but in other countries like, say, Europe, to me that is additional circumstantial evidence that we do not have free and fair elections. That's a big deal because that means that our elections are being controlled by someone, and we really are not sure who that someone is or who they are. I'm sure it's a fairly large group, and they have their uh, tentacles um, extended um, all across the country and in Europe. For example, in Europe, people have been demonstrating in the millions against the vaccine passport, and the politicians have ignored them. Well, if we had free and fair elections, politicians would be more responsive to the voters. And the fact that they are not responsive to the voters is just an additional piece of circumstantial evidence that we have huge problems in this country. Now, in order to uh, have rigged elections, the first thing you have to do is to make the population think that the elections are not rigged, that they're free and fair and to use the controlled, you know, the, the same controlled press that is lying to us about 9-11 is lying to us, telling us that American elections are free and fair and the best in the world. But now with the Internet, people, at least a percentage of the population, has become skeptical. And that has resulted over the past, really, um, 10, 15 years in some states bringing back the paper ballot 
And, of course, the, the paper ballot makes it more difficult for them to steal elections. And what we saw here in Maryland is they usually steal the elections in the primaries because they really don't care which horse wins the race as long as they control both horses in the race. And we, we saw a case where the the Maryland Board of Elections, which is supposed to be the organization that controls the elections and that runs the elections, was involved in stealing elections, and they got caught red-handed to the extent that they were forced to decertify an election that they had just stolen. And then what they did is they just waited a few weeks, and without any justification, they certified the election. And when we looked, now this was done in Baltimore, um, Maryland Congressional District 7, in the 2016 primary. When we read the articles that were written about this event in the Baltimore Sun, the, the Baltimore Sun is the main Baltimore newspaper, we could see that whoever it is who's um, controlling the election system also controls the Baltimore Sun because we could see that the article written in the Baltimore Sun was written in a way to deceive the reader. So this, in my opinion and others, is a very big deal, that if we don't get the election system fixed, then they will continue to make us travel down the road towards becoming a totalitarian police state. And it's it's the same group that did 9-11 and that, that did all these other false flags. So that's kind of the way politics is. Now, politics is probably the dirtiest business that you can find. And, you know, politics is a, a business where your friend will stab you in the front. That's the way it is. Because in politics, there's no 30% market share. If you're in business and you get 30% market share, you are set for life. But in politics, uh, anything below 50% means uh, you're gone. And I think this has a tendency to bring out the worst aspects of human nature. And that's when you have that plus the enormous um, financial and economic forces that now depend on who wins the election, I, I, I think that's why the election systems are designed to be stolen. Stolen elections are not new. Elections have been stolen ever since we've had elections. However, I think the level of sophistication, particularly with introducing the electronics and the computerization, into the system has made it worse, and they've gotten away with it because they can steal an election right in front of people, and a lot of people will not see through it. And, of course, I started out by saying, well, 9-11 could never happen, you know, back before I was awake. And back then, that's when I thought we had a free press and we had free and fair elections. And now I, I, I no longer believe that. So we have to present 
the evidence to people so that they can see it. And I, I think there's about a, I, I break the population down into three groups. One group is us, the choir, and you really don't need to spend time preaching to the choir. The other group are the people who are hopeless. They will never come over to our side. But then there's a middle group of people that we can reach. And I think we want to try to get to those people. And one benefit of the anniversary is there's a lot of people who may be more amenable to seeing the truth now because it's receded a little bit into history, so the emotion is not so raw. And one of our problems in the past is this... um, emotional barrier that we would um, bump into with people who did not believe what we were telling them because they, they didn't want to believe that something like that could ever happen. So this, you know, this is what I think we should uh, try to do is to use the anniversary as another opportunity to present the evidence. You're absolutely right, and that was actually going to be my next question. You sort of answered it. I think a lot of people are more open to the idea that we were lied to about September 11th because of things that they've seen going on, especially over the past couple of years. I know somebody who used to make fun of me for being into this and taking up this cause, but now is very open to it because of other things that they've witnessed and had to experience. And I used to say it on the show, I can't tell you what episode it was, but at some point something's going to happen, they're going to push it too far, and it's going to affect people at home, and that's going to be our opportunity. That's when we're going to be able to have more ears and eyes upon us, remembering the times that you had told them about September 11th, planting those seeds, and then the right conditions come. It's like having a habitable planet in outer space, what they're looking for, an Earth-like planet. It's got to be the right heat intensity and the right distance from a star and the right kind of star, and you got to have water <laughs> on the planet somewhere. And you know, It's very rare to find. I don't think we've completely found it yet uh, out there, even in the exoplanets, but I think those conditions will come because the other side seems to be going very, very far and not recognizing their limits. So we got to take advantage of that. As I said, and when you're talking about power and how cutthroat it is, I believe that any profession, you have to look at what it offers to the person in it. Power, politics, what's it going to attract? It's going to attract some good people, yes, people who want to do good civil service, but it's also going to attract people who want to use that power for nefarious means. Now, put good people next to bad people, who's going to do more of what it takes to get ahead? Who's going to do the dastardly stuff? Who's going to step on their own mother if they have to in order to win? In any hierarchical system, a sociopath will have a competitive advantage in moving up the hierarchy because the sociopath will do things that normal people with a conscience will not do. So I think that explains why we have so many really bad people in very high positions in charge of American institutions. And I think it's worldwide. Yeah, it has been the case throughout a lot of governments in history because I just think this is the phenomenon. The great thing about our country was that we seemed to have checks and balances to sort of keep them in place and not give them too much power. They can't do too much damage, but we've ignored that over the years, and that's a whole other discussion there. 
But the key is you don't even have to run for office to expose 9-11 or help out with this cause. It helps if you do, if you've got the ability and the money to do that. I certainly would recommend it. Give it a shot, but you don't have to. All you have to do is keep on telling the truth, get it out there however you can, and endure. Because I really believe that uh, in the end of all of this, I think people are going to be very much awake, and all we'll have to do is step over the rubble or whatever and uh, present it, and people will say, yeah, it probably was a controlled demolition. They'll look into it and verify that it was. we just got to have that belief and that hope. Keep on doing what we're doing. That's all you really got to do. Just endure John, we are at the half-hour mark. Always goes by fast when you're on the show. But thank you so much for all the work you do, and thank you for coming on 9-11 Freefall today. Well, thank you for having me. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. Zadie Steele, say have a great week. Good luck.